Hey! Hello there. Hey, you art lovers. You lovers of art. Art lovers. Does that do anything for you? It's doing something for me. I'm not wearing any pants right now. Welcome to Art House Radio. This is episode number 10. Are you doing anything interesting right now? Are you looking at your phone? Stop it. Stop. That's very disrespectful. I can... You just did it again. Whatever, I can't stop it. I can only hope that you can give me 20% of your attention. We live in too distracting of a world. I get it. You have to check all kinds of things on your phone because you're so important. You don't have time to give all of your attention to art or to me. I mean, you're listening to episode 10. I'm going to assume you've listened to all the others. You don't need to, but I know that you probably did. I've been thinking a lot about reading lately. I'm just going to throw that out there. But I don't read. I have some good books that I should be reading and that I want to read, but I don't. And I think I know why. Because I stare at screens all day. And maybe this is connected to my earlier uh, um, rant when I was yelling at you for looking at your phone. I'm sorry about that. I didn't. I was just upset. I didn't mean it. But we look at our stuff all day. Our phones, our laptops, our iPads, our TVs. And then we're supposed to read at the end of it? Our eyes are like, no. Don't you understand? I'm dying. We are dying. Both of us. Our eyes. Your eyes. You need to stop looking at screens. You can read more. You can give us some of your electronic time. You can't add reading on top of eight hours of staring at a screen and scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You just can't. At least I can't. My eyes weren't built like that. Maybe it means I'm just not in the fittest category and I won't survive. You know what? I'm fine with that. (laughs) You can have this planet and give a shit about it. Oh, I'm kidding. Just relax. I can see people... Greenies just like fuming like how dare he they're not listening to this nobody likes them so they wouldn't know about it because nobody would tell them about it kidding again God. you, you green minded people are so sensitive let me say something in favor of the green people um It really makes me angry when you go to any store and it doesn't have anything beneficial health-wise in it or it isn't uh, environmentally effective or or sensitive. It just has the package is green and it has like a little cute slogan on it. It says like healthy for you or something, but it's, you know, like a package of Keebler Elves cookies or whatever they call those things. You know those cookies made by elves that live in the tree? (laughs) If you didn't know what that was, you would think that I've gone crazy. That anybody had gone crazy if they're talking about elves in a tree that make sugary snacks that you stuff in your face every night. Well, maybe not every night. Speaking of cookies, my mother made me some Christmas cookies. They're delicious! She's not an elf, and she doesn't live in a tree. And they're better than what those tree 
hugging, hippie, lefty, greeny, cookie-making elves can put on my table any day of the week. I'm just ki- all those things that I just made fun of. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a wing. I don't. I don't wing it. You know. If you want wings, go to BWs. If that's what they call it, is that what the kids are calling it? I don't understand chicken wings. Why is it such a big thing? It seems to be a big thing in the Midwest or with sports people. Why do they like it so much? I don't get it. You, you could eat like a million of them and you'd never be full. It's probably not even chicken. They just like save the bones and put some sort of weird cardboard-based protein on there. Use some glue and put any kind of meat on there. And then just put barbecue sauce on it. And you, you, all you taste is the barbecue sauce. Alright, look. This isn't a show about hot wings. Let's get to it. What do we have in store today? Well, we've got a conversation with Santos Ramos. You've heard him before, back in the Terrence McKenna episode. Now it's coming back to you, right? You remember, stimulated your thought popsicles. Well, he's back, and we're talking about art. We're talking about uh, tribal uh, things, intuition, the world. And, and uh, I think we talk about Guitar Hero, too. Yeah. You, you definitely don't want to miss that. Oh, no, we talked about uh, air guitar competitions. <laughs> because that's what this country is. It's a place full of hot wings and air guitar competitions. But before that, we've got um, some stuff on music. Now, music. What is it? Well, it's rhythm and sounds. That's what it is. I'm in a pretty cheeky mood today. I'll, I'll get it together here. So yesterday, I was listening to a piece I had written a long time ago. It's called Voices. And it, what, I, what happened is I had got this new software program for making music or composing uh, sound projects and I was trying to get familiar with with the process of editing and I took all these examples I found on YouTube of various Potawatomi tribe dances um, and so I, I cut it cut it up and I made like a new uh, musical work out of it I guess it's kind of like sampling um, but I finished it um, a couple of years ago and I was listening to it yesterday, and I really liked it. I thought it was really good, if I don't say so myself. But, as usually is the case, as as often is the case, I don't know how to say that sentence, I liked 90% of it, and then I thought, hmm, I'd really like to change this or that. So I pulled it up, and I brought the file up, and I was just about to start tinkering with it, and I thought, well, why am I doing this? Uh, is this revisionist? Am I am I rewriting history here? It's never going to end, is it? I mean, I'm always going to want to change things. I listened to something that I composed a long time ago or created or a video or anything, and I 
I'm always going to think I need to change it because I'm looking at it from a different point in space and time. My, my tastes may have changed. My maturity levels may have changed. Unlikely. But you see my point is, are these works, whether it's music or a painting or sculpture, are they a product of a particular moment in time, in your life? And I think that they are. I don't, I don't think that what I would have to say now would be fair to that work that was created a couple of years ago. So I left it. Because for a moment I had forgotten that I liked the idea of moment composition, not time travel composition. Time travel composition is where you tr arrogantly travel all over the world like Doctor Who or the, that couple from Voyager or whatever that show was. Not a, they weren't a couple. They were a dad and a kid or something. I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? A grown man traveling around with a kid in in time. It seems like kind of suspicious to me. But they're just messing with stuff and trying to fix it. Maybe Quantum Leap is a better example. But I'm not into that. For art, I mean, it's not it's it's not something that I think is honest. I think I think if I if I don't like something that I've created a few years ago and I need to change it, it, it it's it's disingenuous. It, it it messes with um, the integrity of the piece when it was created. So I left it, and I think that was the right thing to do. Momentary composition that I, I referred to earlier um, is this idea I had where I have to create projects and finish them in the shortest amount of time as possible. Not necessarily to be, or to strive towards being prolific, but because I'm trying to capture a, a particular moment, and if you don't do it quick enough, that moment is gone. And if you try to compose in a different moment, then it becomes a collection of these occurrences in life that may be completely uh, opposite or different enough to where it would affect the piece in a negative way. It could make it more interesting if you have all these uh, different styles or approaches. It's possible, yes. But I, I like the idea of starting something and finishing it as quickly as possible so as to um, best capture the intention, the original intention that I had. That that doesn't mean that I think... Um, um, where I, I should end where I start. That's a different thing. A lot of the projects that most of us create don't end up anywhere near where we think they started. It's kind of funny when you, when you map out a work and you think it's going to look a certain way and you, you have an idea and it, if it ever ends up exactly how you wanted it to, it's usually terrible, at least in my case. It's when it it changes and you have to listen to it because it s starts to become this living thing and you have to adjust to it because it goes in different directions or you have different ideas. And the, the longer that that goes on, the more voices, voices is a bad word, um, the more ideas you get and the more changes you think. And then pretty soon it becomes this jumbled mess of shit that you can't do anything with because they're too much time has gone by and you've got all these competing 
ideas. So if you can if you can do it quickly, you can limit the number of things that are happening and it sort of stays closer to that central idea. And then you get better and better at finishing pieces in that short span. So the quality improves eventually. That's my idea anyway. That's the idea behind momentary, moment composing, as I call it. Stockhausen had something called momentary form, uh, which is similar to that. It might be the exact same thing, but it's not my thing. That's his thing. Mine's moment composing or moment creation, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, let's hear that work. It's called Voices. It's about 10 minutes long, if I haven't mentioned that already. Um, we're going to go, without the theme song today, we're just going to go straight to it. Um, so we'll hear the music, and then when we come back, the rest of the episode, we've got uh, Santos Ramos. We'll be talking with him for about half an hour, and then uh, there may be one or two other things uh, that happen, uh, and there may not be. You're just going to have to listen to find out. So let's get it started. Here it is, Voices.
So if you if you had to go back and study anything from any age, just maybe like an early age, you know, let's say we had hippie parents and they were like, you're you're going to art school. You're going to a good one somewhere in, in New York or Montreal or Paris or whatever. You can do whatever you want, but you're going three years. What would you study? Anything in art school? You'd have to pick a subject. So it'd be like, you know, it, yeah, anything at art school. Any, consider it in a modern context. So you could do something digital, digitally based. I think that I would want to do something. Well, I go back and forth on this. It's nice to have digital. I rely on digital skills now because I use computers just sort of by default. So that's the one art form that I have some skill it's the only one because I just am used to using computers so I can like manipulate shit and call it art sometimes but so does everybody else no that's what I'm saying yeah so So I kind of rely on that at this point but if I could go back and do something else I don't know I think I may have liked to get involved in music in a different way if that counts I don't know if that counts as art school I think sound design is becoming a huge thing at art school so yeah it would count I don't know what they would... It would be a different thing. It would be more of an artistic, abstract, philosophical type thing than it would be classical or jazz. Yeah, because for us, I guess you ended up going to school for music later on. Mm. But for the most part, us all growing up musicians, it was just trying to figure out how to strum chords based on, you know, before the internet, like based on these shitty guitar books that we got handed down and... So just trying to piece it all together. So there's something fun about that too, but it would have been cool to have grown up learning to play certain instruments or learning about, I mean, what would have been like to learn electronic instruments at like in the nineties? It was much later when I started fucking around with logic and all that. But if you were messing around like in the nineties with electronic sounds, I would, I don't even know. Yeah. There's all kinds of possibilities. I, it just hit me that if you're learning an instrument sometimes, especially if it's a, 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 a pop instrument like guitar or something or piano, or you're using it in a pop way, you I used to play along with records to sort of learn the rhythms and all that. I wonder, they should have like, because I know they have air guitar competitions, which is kind of stupid, but they should have ones where you play along with a track, but you're you're actually playing. So you, they'll give you a Led Zeppelin um, recording, but the guitar track is removed. So you have to play the guitar track and just see who... It'd be like the Karate Kid <laughs> tournament style, but it would be for guitarists <laughs> or pianists. They do make those like for classical stuff. So they can, they'll arrange it so you can... I guess it's like karaoke, essentially, but with instruments. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you could do that. I don't know. I I can imagine they would let you design your own courses in in art school. It happens a lot in art in artistic departments. I can't I can't believe they put on air guitar tournaments. They do. Like it's a, it's one of those cute ideas that you could watch on YouTube for yeah. two minutes and thirty seconds and think it's funny, <laughs> but to organize a big tournament like it's you know March Madness. <laughs> 
around <laughs> area. Wouldn't it get fucking boring after, you know, one performance pretty much? I would think so. What else can you do besides jump around like an idiot? Or do people take it seriously? People don't take it seriously, do they? It probably ranges from, you know, the big, tall, chubby guy jumping around to uh, sticks as he's playing it. And then uh, some sort of thoughtful guitar ballad, you know. It probably depends on the participants. I, I think it would get boring after five minutes, but... Yeah, it, I can see where if it's, but then it turns into almost comedy, if if somebody's being entertaining, people are laughing and enjoying it. It's not really musical anymore; but, it's a comedy. Well, I'm fine with that aspect of it, but what else? What's funny after two minutes and thirty seconds? <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's much room even for comedy. No, other than because there's only one joke. You look stupid playing your guitar. That's the only joke <laughs> that anybody can tell in that format. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It would get old really quickly because you can't even appreciate the artistic aspect of it because it's not them. I even used to get mad. I don't even know if it's still popular. Are those like games like Rock Band still popular? I don't even. Guitar Hero. Yeah. I don't know. Probably. I mean, they were fun. I got it, but like maybe it was just me. Maybe I was just in like a music snob stage of my life where I wanted to be playing actual music, but it was just frustrating to me because I was always looking for people to play music with. <laughs> And they're like, let's play this fucking video game where you act like you're playing music. I'm like, why can't we let's fucking make some sounds? I never understood that either because you're, you have an actual instrument in your hand. You are sort of messing with some sort of pattern to create music, but you're not cre- you're just doing it through a video game. Why don't you just learn the guitar? It's almost, you're almost there. Well, that's the fucked up thing about these video games in general. I sound like such an old person saying that, but um, they're just like getting closer and closer to reality. They're never going to be exactly yeah. reality, maybe. I don't know, but like, why do you want to keep coming close? If I'm going to play a video game, I don't want it to be anything like reality. Yeah. Like, why do I just want to live my shitty life again through a video game? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like the thing about Eventually, they'll have it where your Google Watch will, you'll talk to it and it'll hologram up a computer screen that'll revolve. And then if you want to talk to somebody, you push another button and they'll appear right in front of you in in actual size. Mm -hmm. And that's just where we started, (laughs) talking to people in a room. So why don't you just go over to their house? I mean, obviously it makes sense if you're long distances, but we're... We're just going to come back full circle and end up where we started, I think. Same thing with music. Except that doing it for real doesn't destroy the environment. <laughs> like, everything yeah. that we're doing now is just, like, yeah. fucking, you know. Yeah. There's this whole idea of when you're, like, printing something out. Or when you're not printing something out, when you're not printing papers out, you're being green. They call that being green, right? Go paperless. You're being green. You're not being green, motherfucker. You're like, you got to plug your computer in. It's got to, you know, right. you're getting juice from somewhere. Yeah. They were mining for these, like, minerals in, you know, all these the third, third world countries. Yeah. And, like, harming the environment and harming people. Like, it's not green. Oh, not only using resources and stuff like that, but you're also tink tinkering with the idea that you could wake up something that you can't turn off. Like if computers become conscious, it's sort of like the, something I, I put on Twitter or tweet street, as I like to call it. Spanish peanuts. 
It's his Twitter handle. I tweeted something. Um, what's yours? Mine's at Toast underscore Rand. <laughs> <laughs> should have did Toast. Yeah, I know. I should have done something memorable. Oh, Toast is taken, though. I'm guarantee you, at Toast is yeah, taken. Yeah, yeah, that was the other thing. I couldn't even use Toast Ram without the underscore. Wow. That's just the end of my first name and the beginning of my last name. Wow. T-O-S underscore R-A-M. So I tweeted something um, about weird science. Because we, I had this theory when we were over the summer when we were talking with people about how weird science is sort of an example of what's happening. Where in weird science they create this girl and... Um, uh, fr- from like a computer they use like they feed the computer in information like pictures of what they want her to look like and all this and then somehow she appears like the creator and that's what we're doing we're all contributing to something that we don't know we're just it's like we're a bunch of little ants trying to build this thing together and every little facebook update or twitter um picture instagram everything everything's going into feeding this Franken monster that we're creating and pretty soon it's going to wake up and then like just take over everything. That would be something we wouldn't achieve if we just had in-person conversations. Unless we unless it was like some sort of spiritual being that we couldn't couldn't see or it wouldn't manifest into reality, but this might actually be some sort of super robot. Well, that's the that's the major assumption that people always make about the progression of society like it's always just been you know that's what you're talking from the very beginning it's always just been headed in the right direction it's always been headed in you know towards progress it's always gotten better that's the assumption that you're taught from you know a very early age so technology has always just been making society better that's what we're sort of taught but there's so many different direct there's an infinite amount of different directions that the world could have went in so before these technological or industrial revolutions, what directions were human beings um, in the Americas, Turtle Island, where were they where were they headed? You know, they were here for thousands and thousands of years, headed in other directions. We've been here headed down this technological, industrialized direction for, you know, a few centuries, and people you know. People act like nothing was happening up until that point. So like, oh, they were just hanging right. out. They weren't doing anything. Like, yeah. Uh... Like when, like time itself, the way we mark time, like for some reason, when some guy named Jesus Christ was thought to have lived, we'll, just, we'll count that as year zero. But <laughs> yeah. it went back like so much further, obviously. Like, so, but we were in the year 2015. Actually, this is like year what? Like one million, whatever. Like, yeah. Also, we're going to act like he wasn't Middle Eastern somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's, that's the usual twist. It probably happens... I wonder if it happens in reverse where you have people in Africa who have tales about um, some sort of being that took over the world. It's probably always going to be a, a Kenyan-looking person. or a, which I'm, It would be weird if you went to China and they had like a picture of like some surfer dude from California that was like the deity back in the 500s. Like, why would you pick that guy? <laughs> Doesn't look anything like you. Bill and Ted from Bill and Ted Adventures. So in some, some ways it makes sense that you would pick something that sort of is what you know. Like Christ looks like a Western European. 
Yeah, but so he's maybe, based on an actual historical Middle Eastern figure. That's who he is. So they didn't just make it up. I wonder it's if based on an actual Middle Eastern dude. I wonder if you could bring him back if he would be shot. If this, I'm assuming this guy actually existed. But if you could bring him back, if he'd be like, whoa, I'm just playing a game. Yeah. You know, like I was just trying to do a shtick here. I was just trying to get laid or I was trying to... He's like, I get just had money. this podcast. I was just trying to get it off the ground, and it kind of got out of hand. <laughs> he had this little spiritual podcast. He was running, <laughs> standing up in the hills, just talking with people, and it just took off. There was one interesting book that I started reading, and then just, I don't know what happened, but I uh, can't remember the name of it or the author, but his whole book was trying to reconceptualize the historical figure of Jesus Christ as a political revolutionary. Which, if you look at the story, yeah, kind of follows like the the narrative of people like Malcolm X, yeah, you and other revolutionaries like that. Yeah, he, somehow Jesus gets depoliticized as being, but he wasn't. Like they killed, they literally executed him as they have like other yeah. political revolutionaries throughout time. God, I don't know. I wonder if that time was obviously it's better now in terms of medicine and entertainment I guess but I wonder if you could go back and live in that time if it would just be god awful or if it would actually be nice I mean obviously you have people getting crucified which sounds terrible took them people a really long time to get over that idea but but like shit's still happening now though it's still happening just in a different form I guess yeah I mean you still have I mean you still get the, the guillotine was used in France like through the 80s I think that seems pretty barbaric have a guillotine, a modern government having the guillotine, like... Did you say through the 80s? Through the 1980s, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I, I remember reading that it was, I want to say 1977, but it's somewhere around there. Give or take 10 years from 1977. It was, it's crazy, the idea that they still had it. And I think they still used it. I mean, probably not that much, but it's a pretty f- fucked up thing anyways to, you know lethal injection the electric chair that seems like a terrible way to go like we'll just make this chair and it'll just like shock them yeah. to death like that's got to be the most like you should just put a gun in their mouth at that point like well, why wouldn't you just do that yeah i'd rather i'd personally rather get shot in the head yeah than get shot to death shocked to death that seems terrible it's got to take some time you don't just die automatically yeah the like electric a- chair Fucking, how long would that take? It had to take a long time, I would imagine, unless it's like super high voltage. But it could turn into like a Thanksgiving roast, like where it would just take an hour. I don't know, five minutes. Not sure. I could look it up, but I don't. I don't know. I don't. Some things you don't want to look up because the images are going to be just terrible. Yeah. Somebody's got an image that of an actual Texas penitentiary execution that they put up. And you know it's out there. There's a video I've, somewhere. I've seen The Green Mile. I know how it happens. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. You've never seen The Green Mile? No. The Green Mile is fucked up because they have actual electric chair executions in that, but then there's a scene where this really dark prison guard doesn't wet the sponge. You're supposed to like put a wet sponge on their head, and it like sends the electricity quicker. So then he doesn't. So then you see this execution of somebody very slowly dying through the electric shock. The crazy thing about executions or 
anything related to that, even like somebody get imprisoned for a long time for selling acid or weed, is it, is it the people who actually made the policy or is it the people carrying it out? Like if you're in, if you're one of the, the officers in an electric chair execution at that moment and they're like, flip the switch, wouldn't somebody in that room go, all right, let's just stop this. This is insane. Like, where is every, where are the people who are supposed to stand up and go, I'm not doing this? Yeah, That's, I mean, people are either brainwashed to the point where they've convinced themselves, they've been taught that it's actually a good thing what they're doing. Yeah. So they think they're, they're protecting and serving. Yeah. And that, you know, it's a good thing for society that they're disposing of people. Or there are people who are conflicted and they just feel like they literally have to because they need the money. So, you know, is it a choice? Like, if you're under certain economic circumstances, like, yeah, to an extent you do have a choice, but, like, obviously there's going to be trends. If people are under a certain level of economic pressure and poverty, then the choice actually becomes less of a choice, I think. Yeah, I guess it's just about eliminating the illusion of having a choice or I mean there's you always have a choice it's easy to say in retrospect to people like why didn't you stand up but um, the Nazis back in the 30s I'm sure there were lots of Germans who were like talking to each other and said like this is shit's fucked up what are we gonna do like shut your mouth I don't want to die like they'll just put a bullet in your head so I guess you just got a fear of death has got to be a huge motivator I would imagine in that situation but it seems like you, it seems like it's trickling outside of that and even into the less, um, sort of the less stressful situations. Like I worked with a girl who had the flu a couple weeks ago and I could tell she was sick and she, I didn't really talk to her at the time, but then she came in like a week later and said she was feeling better and I was like, you had the flu or something she's like yeah and I couldn't get anybody to cover my shifts I'm like well why didn't they just send you home it's like, well the policy is that you you work or you get someone to fill in your shifts and if you don't we consider that a no-show and you get fired and I'm like like that's the kind of thing that I would have quit over that's what I would have told her not because I would have wanted to but I would have said hey I've got the flu I'm not going to the doctor for the flu unless it gets really bad so if you want to fire me, that's your choice, but I'm not coming in. Because it's a, first of all, it's a restaurant and you want to get everybody sick, which just seems insane. So like that situation isn't life or death, like an electric chair, but it's a little tiny battle that you win where, or you lose, where the good side or the bad side moves forward with their agenda. So even, even those little situations seem like we're starting to lose those more often out of fear. She didn't want to lose her job. She'd been there for five years. And, you know, I, I mean, I can see her point, but you, know, you can go work anywhere. It's going to be annoying. You probably lose a lot of money in the transaction. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't know, you know, she, what kind of other shit she has to pay for. Or... That's true, yeah. And I mean, there's a high turnover in the restaurant industry, but it still can be, yeah. you got to work your way up anyway. Like, That's probably also one of the reasons that we don't see that many people into art in certain places or 
you don't see that many artists making a living off of what they do because the financial pressure is that they have to pay their phone bill and you can't wait around to see if somebody's going to buy a painting or buy your album or listen, buy your book of poems. So you've got to pick up a job at uh, Checkers. you got to work that Checkers. Work that Checkers. Got <laughs> to get that Checkers. Hashtag work that Checkers. Living Checkers to Checkers. So you're, you're sort of forced to decide there, too, because you, your landlord's going to come knocking, and he's going to be like, how's that Checkers job going? Give me some of that Checkers cash. I don't want any of that uh, sculpture cash because that doesn't exist. So that's, I don't know that it, that sort of pressure shapes society through shaping each individual decision. If you go to into a college or university counselor, they're going to say, if you say I want to be in art or music, they're probably not going to say no, that's a stupid idea. But if you ask them what are the most lucrative fields to go into, they're not going to list that. They're going to list something else. So it becomes a motivation based on what you think you can get out of it financially rather than what you might actually enjoy. Sure. I think that my theory has been that the best collection of artists are not in the art industry, but in the service industry, actually. I mean, such a select few can actually make it. And people in the service industry have consistently made that choice that you're talking about, even when on a microscopic level, but like over and over again, making that choice of what is valuable to them. And it's not money first. And that's why there's so many great artists in the service industry. And to touch on the point about college, I go back and forth on this. Sometimes I want to think of college as the space where I go and do whatever the fuck I want. But I think the other side and, and why I find myself back in grad school, while I do get to do a lot of stuff that I enjoy, my perspective is like, I am kind of there for a job because either way I'm going to have to work a job, whether it's in the service industry or not. So like, I might as well just go in there and treat it like that. And then, you know, I'm doing the other stuff I want to do outside of it anyway. And I try and yeah. sync it up with my job as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. That's true. If you... If you took like the best, the most, what you, what somebody thought was the t- top 10% of the artists working in the service industry, I bet you their works would be phenomenal. The difference between the, the top 10 or the top 20 and the people who made it is probably so small. Like that, like they didn't get that break or they, they were, the people who made it may have been in the right place at the right time or they have that unique ability to have a business side of it as well. So you have people who might create great works and they just don't know how to market it. They don't know how to promote it. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know what to do. Some of the best bands I've ever, some of my favorite bands I've ever heard have been, you know, people that I've known personally and just were like, yeah, like you said, they hmm. either didn't know how to market or they just didn't give a shit and they just made great music. Right? I think I've, mentioned this before, I don't know if on one of the podcasts, but there was a guy, a homeless looking guy, uh, singing on the streets of York in England and in Bath. Their voices were amazing. And they were, their music skills were great, but they, I mean, they were just homeless. I thought like, I don't know why anybody's not giving you a deal here. 
Like, and they were out there all the time. So, I, I mean, who knows what that guy's background is, but he might be a junkie now or something, but if he had been given a chance when he was younger, he might he might never have gone down that road. He also could have just been sick. <laughs> you know, like, you don't even have to be a junkie in this system. You just yeah. can have, like, bad luck. Yeah. We're all, like, basically one bad accident away from being that homeless person. That's true. Well, over there they have healthcare for all, but... But still, that, that yeah, he could have got sick and injured or I mean, it might have developed some sort of injury. Yeah. So, I mean, you never know how you get affected. That's what it, that's why I think that we, one of the reasons that everything's so fucked up is that we don't live in the present. And I think people mean, think I mean go crazy right now, but no, I just mean you'll eliminate a lot of the anxiety in your life if you don't think too far ahead or too far back. That's usually when the anxiety happens most, I think, is when you think about the future or the past. If you can pull yourself into the present, it usually, there's nothing really, I mean, you're alive, you're winning. It's not that big of a deal, whatever you're, you don't think about bad things. So if you, if you're a singer and you're, it's nice out and you're playing on the streets, hmm, life's not so bad. It's when you start thinking like, what am I going to do tonight? Where am I going to sleep? Which is a valid concern, I guess, but <laughs> I guess. I guess. But when you but probably when you start to lay down and go, huh, I don't have a bed or a house. This is sucks. At least well, I mean in that I guess that's true though. That would be the present tense. But it doesn't seem like it seems like we are always fighting for the future. And we do that, we sacrifice the present in order to go to the to the future to have like a nest egg or have a retirement or have, have a house. That's, and that's, yeah, that's a cultural thing too. That's not a natural right. human tendency necessarily. If you re, if you go to some other cultures, like I, I'm sort of in a field that's related to anthropology. So I've read a lot of anthropological studies and this one sticks out to me. Well, like several examples stick out to me of people going to other cultures and they'll just be like going along, going out for a hunt with the, the people in the village and they're expecting to like go out, get food, eat and come back. That's like what we do. Everything's on like a schedule and we always need to like come back home um, after we're done. But this person went out on a hunt with these people from the village. They caught the food and they ate it and they were out in the woods and they just stayed there. Because their perspective is like, well, we just ate. That was the need that they fulfilled. So, like, time, like, the way that we use time to, like, break up our day is just, like, totally different. Yeah. It's, the strange thing is that in that scenario, those people are living for what they need at the moment. And then they're okay with it. And they'll worry about their need in the future when the future arrives. Yeah, that's the point I was getting at. Yeah. So, we, we don't, we do the exact opposite where we don't live in the present, we live for the future, which is insane because we can't enjoy the present now, which makes us think we're going to enjoy the present in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're 70, we'll be thinking like, can't wait till I'm 85. <laughs> Get that Bob Evans meal for free after five. We're always looking for something, some future that never arrives. We always keep yeah. making up these markers. Yeah, or at that point we just like started romanticizing the past too. Probably. 
So either way, then the past and the future kind of like yeah. play the same role. So we're just not in the present. Yeah. We're always trying to escape the present, essentially. Yeah. Instead of just... It's kind of weird, though, isn't it? Like, why would we escape the now? What's wrong with the now? I don't know. I find myself doing it even when I'm in situations that I enjoy is a scary thing. <laughs> if I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to get somewhere else. Like, this is good. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Well, what's next? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Seinfeld joke about men don't want to watch anything on a channel. They want to know, what is the joke? Like, they flip through channels because... They want to see what else they could see or something like that. <laughs> They're worried about what else is on. But we, yeah, we just don't seem to enjoy... I, maybe it's because we feel like we're going to miss out on a bunch of things, but we've, we've got this pattern of behavior where we keep searching for things and it doesn't matter what we find. We, the goal is searching now. That's the goal. It's never finding anything because we don't actually... Yeah. Well, that's why I think that... that... The hunting example is an interesting one because it almost seems natural that we're always trying to escape the present. Mm -hmm. But those people who were satisfied once they killed an animal in the woods and ate it and just hung out in the woods, like, we don't have to go anywhere. We just ate. We don't have to go home. What's at home? We're okay right here. They weren't trying to escape the present. They were totally, you know, at least from our outside perspective, they seemed content with that, whereas... So anyway, that's maybe a little bit hopeful that it's like not a natural aspect of being human, but it's just a sort of result of the society that's like Modern taught times. us how to exist in the world. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it's hard to know. Like if you could go into that tribe and speak their language, maybe they do have these issues as well. I mean, if you're sitting there after the hunt, I'm sure there's some guy who's going to go, what are we going to do about dessert? Or like, <laughs> like what are we going to do next time? Like, it looks like it's going to rain. Should we go back home? And they're like, I don't know, don't worry about it. Maybe it's just that the there's always that sort of competition between thoughts, between the present and the past and present and the future. But there's more of an imbalance now because we have so many things we could be looking for or finding and we're never happy with what we have. Yeah, that, it's a lot of, about pace, too. Because at some point, somebody's going to make... Somebody's going to voice that opinion. At some point, somebody voiced the opinion of, like, let's go out into the woods in the first place and try and catch food. Because yeah. they got hungry. But it's just happening at a different pace. Yeah. Whereas we're trying to kill the next animal while we're still eating this first one. We are. I mean, or we want the guarantee of animals for years and years so that we don't have to worry about anything so we can relax. And then, but it doesn't even work in like just entertainment wise. Like how many people right now listening to this were just scrolling through Netflix looking for something to watch or just stopped something to look for something else? Like Guarantee that I've spent more time looking for things on Netflix than watching. Probably. There's so much on there. Almost Sometimes I just like, get tired out looking. I'll be like, well, I've been looking for an hour. I guess I'll go to bed now. That was fun. The length of a movie it takes to find something sometimes, especially if you're using the TV interface, which is it's not the greatest. Oh, no, it's, it's better horrible. to do it. It's better to do it on your laptop. I'll, yeah, I'll look on my laptop and then suffer through the TV interface. It's, yeah, it takes a, it takes a patient beast. 
to get through Netflix's interface. A lot of the interfaces are that way, though, on Roku or Apple TV. They're not very pleasant. But it's just a, another example of endless choices and how we can't make decisions. Yep, endless, pointless choices. Thanks for listening. Arthouse Radio is supported by people and institutions, nice people and nice institutions, who care enough to pay for, or will pay for, short ads at the beginning of the show. Someday the sponsors will rule the beginning of the show. We are also supported by people and things who are also nice. They go to our website, arthouse43.com, click on Donate, and they send us some of their resource love. We need your support. Creative projects are never free, so any support you could give would be greatly appreciated. There are many ways you can support us. All of the music that you hear on Art House Radio is created by your host and composer, 
Troy Ramos. So check out my stuff on iTunes and Amazon. You can support that way. You can go to TroyMeetsWorld.com. There are links there. Mm, you know, drop 99 cents on a piece. Sometimes they're like 10-minute pieces. And for 99 cents, that's a steal for you. Because it's quite lovely what I'm making. It's very ambient. It's very soothing. It's the kind of stuff you could think to. You could take a bath to it. You could screw to it. Uh, you can really do lots of things. Sometimes it, they're $10, some of my pieces. But really, that's like three or four cups of coffee, isn't it? And that would go a long way. This stuff is not free. It costs money. It's, of course, been a pleasure. I continue to be your host, Troy Ramos. Please join me next time when I talk about something else. How can you resist that? Until next time, friends. <laughs>